Okay, so those of you online, I want to let you guys know that we appreciate you. Can we just tell our church online how much we appreciate them, guys? I hear from you almost every week how much uh, you guys are, are participating, and I know not all of you are around this area, and we're making room for you, by the way. I'm talking to our online people. We're making room for you by adding another service. That's coming. We don't know the exact date yet. We're still fishing around for when we can get prepared. By the way, great time to say yes to serving in our kids' ministry, serving as volunteers in our welcome teams. And we can help you get plugged in. You can come see me if you're saying, you know what, I've been here for a while now and it's time for me to get involved. I want to help you. Well, here we are. Turn with me to uh, John chapter, turn with me to John chapter 13. I have a question for you. If somebody were to come up to you and ask you this question, what would you say? Here's the question. What does it mean to be a Christian? Or, yeah, I think it's more of that. What does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? What does it mean to be a Christian? You might begin to think about um, why that person might be asking that question. They, the person asking the question is, that, do I have to follow a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts? Or is it, um, do I have to act a certain way? Do, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Or how do I need to become? What does that mean? I had somebody yesterday ask me this question. They, they knew that um, I served in a church and they said, so I, I, I want to ask a question. He goes, well, what church are you at? Where are you located? And I told him, he goes, so um, my wife is, well, he didn't say wife. My, I don't even know what he said, but he's not married. <laughs> Hence why the question. My girlfriend my live-in girlfriend, my woman who's having a child with me, I don't know how you describe it, significant other. I'm not trying to judge the situation, I'm not, but I'm trying to give clarity for the situation. He goes, she really is longing to be baptized, interested in being baptized, would you baptize her? And, and so it's a loaded question, right? Because he's wanting to know how I'm gonna respond. In essence, he's saying, He's trying to get an answer for this question. What does it mean to be a Christian? I think that's what he's asking. What does it mean to be a Christian? And, and we know baptism is, a, is an outward expression of what God is doing in our, in our life. And he knows that I know his situation. He's living with her. They're going to have a kid, st- kid together. And yet there's something longing inside of it. And then he goes on to say, well, the faith tradition I grew up wouldn't ever baptize us. So in his mind, he's thinking, is it about some rules? Like you've got to come into alignment with some rules before um, people will care for us. But the question is, when, when people are asking these questions, what is your response? Have you thought about that recently? Because why this is important is People are very, very interested in wanting to know what it means to be a Christian. They're wanting to know who this Jesus person is, and they're wanting to know, what do I need to do if there's something to do, or how do I enter into this place? Because by the way, I'm not feeling a whole lot of peace, right? I feel a lot of anxiety. I'm feeling like this world is falling apart, and I think that Jesus might be a part of the answer to this. I'm glad they're thinking it, but I think what they're doing is they're asking questions because they legitimately want to know. And I think there's some things backed in that, those questions is, am I going to be loved? Am I going to be accepted? 
what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, Jesus told us how it is that we are to be a Christian in John chapter 13, and we're going to jump right into verse 34, and then I'll, I'll back us up and give some context. By the way, in these chapters, we're not able to give you, I'm not able to give you the full on, I mean, I could talk here for hours on one chapter, and, um, but I don't need to. I'm trying to make one point for you to walk away with, one nugget that you're going to take home with you. But what we do have provided for you is study notes that you can go deeper. And we do have life groups that go through these study notes together and go, do life together. And by the way, I would encourage you in this season, we've started life groups. We'll be having another one starting up in about 10 weeks. We want everybody to be a part of a life group. Why? Because I feel like we are the church if we're in a group, because in the group, that's where we're known. That's where we're cared for. That's where we grow best. And I know groups are hard sometimes, but I really want to encourage you. This spring group, we're, we're, spring session, we're going to really encourage you to be a part of a group. But anyways, here he goes. Jesus says right here in John chapter 12, this is what being a Christian is. He says in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Can you say love one another? Love one another. Just as I have loved you. Now, we sang about that already th this morning, right? Um, of his great love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. We celebrate that in communion today, right? That just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple if you have love one for another. So of all of the things when people say, what does it mean to be a Christian? You just have to tell them I'm a good lover. Okay, that might open up some bad <laughs> conversations, right? Um, no, you just have to say, you know what? Man, God found me. He, like, he loves me. You share a little bit of your story. And then God sees you. And he wants to love you. And, and by the way, I think you're really important. I see you. I want to hear your story. Tell me a little bit about your life. You know, love is a, we're coming on to Valentine's Day coming up, and, and I think we put a lot of emphasis on, uh, on love, and we think of love as somehow like you love a spouse, you love a boyfriend, girlfriend, you love a family member, and, and we, this word love is really a hard one to explain or define from a Christian perspective. Before I get this part, when we were worshiping, I really felt like I didn't have this in my notes, but really important to say, because I'm going to give us some steps of knowing how to walk out in knowing what it means to be a Christian. But, but this is really important that, that we have to love like Jesus has loved us, but we first have to experience the love of God. And that's really important. If you're feeling like I struggle with understanding how to love people well, it might be a definition issue, like, like what is love? How do I define that? Or I've never experienced love from a family member. I don't really know what that means. Or there's a twisted view of love. But I think the first place that we need to start is understanding how to be loved from our Father in heaven first and foremost. He loves you and you need to experience that love. And if you are lacking that, all you have to do is ask. And I believe that he will arrange ways that you can feel his love for you. But, but it's really hard to give what we haven't first received, right? So it's important that we understand how to receive 
his love first and be loved by him and that we can love others. So then he says, well, how do we love? And the how actually goes back a little bit further when Jesus... Now, let me give you this scenario. So we know that as Pastor Bill, thank you, Pastor Bill, you did a great job last week. Appreciate your message. Wonderful. He brought us through John chapter 12, and we were talking about that was the final part of Jesus' public ministry. Now he's going private with his disciples 24 hours before his crucifixion. He's in the upper room celebrating the Passover. Some people would say that it really wasn't Passover yet because they believe that Jesus died on Passover. But they are having a Passover meal together. So the debate is, is it unleavened bread or leavened bread, right? And so why do we debate on these things? I'm not sure. But the point is he's with his disciples. And they're sharing uh, the last supper together. And here it is, is they, they are gathering together and, and they're sharing a meal. And then Jesus um, demonstrates something by washing their feet. And he says this. Do you understand that I, what I have done to you? And he's talking about after he's washed his feet, Jesus' words. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for, uh, for so I am. Then if, then I, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. So again, if you want to be blessed, I always love these verses because like Jesus says, if you want to be blessed, he tells you how to be blessed. He says, do what I've just done. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and wash anybody's feet. I'll tell you what. If anybody wants to do a foot washing with me, I'll punch you and lay you down. Don't touch my feet. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I was not very spiritual right there, but I just... It, it just, I've been, somebody's done that to me before on this platform. And I'll tell you what is the most awkward, uncomfortable thing. <laughs> I know why we do it, right? It's a symbol of humility, of like a symbol of like, I'm going to serve you. And it's just like, Jesus is not saying that we have to demonstrate foot washing to one another. He, he's talking about a heart of how we care for each other's needs. You know, that, that we, don't, we don't get so preoccupied in our own life that we forget the needs around us. And I, I think this is the really important part. If you want to write something down, this would be a good one. How we love people is we see people. How we love people is actually just taking time, taking our eyes off ourselves and look at somebody and see the needs in their life and, and meet those needs. See, the, the needs that the disciples had in the moment that they were walking through dusty um, Roads and they were lounging, they were sitting down, not on chairs, on probably pillows, a low table, and their, their feet would have been dirty, and it was a custom to the, to the lowest servant of the house to wash the feet, and Jesus was modeling uh, not only an awareness of the need, but he was willing to do the stuff that other people didn't want to do. And the question for us, do we love people in such a way that we're willing to do those things that are 
a little bit uncomfortable and the things that not people really would want to do. One thing I love about this, this church is, is I, I see people doing that. I see people actually taking out garbage when the garbages are full. Nobody's asked them to do it. I see people when they shovel the sidewalks and people per, probably think that we have people who are hired to do it. Yes, the parking lot we do, but the sidewalks, people are volunteering. They're just shoveling the sidewalks. The things that not, there no, nobody loves to wake up one day and say, I get to shovel the sidewalks, right? I get to take out the garbage. We don't do that. But, but when you just do it out of seeing what the need is, and I'm just giving you an example of around here, but I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is bragging on you a little bit because you guys are naturally already doing it. But I think in life, we have to say, how do we love really well? And we love really well by first and foremost, beginning to see the needs of, of people and meeting them where they're at and just helping them to be seen. I want to just share with you what I believe that there are four ways that we, the four ways that we can become a Christian or not become a Christian, I know how that's a different topic, but four ways that we live as Christians. And if we're saying love is what marks us, by the way, we, we know that the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I always forget one. Faithfulness. Maybe I need to learn faithfulness because I always forget that one, but... But here's the thing, and then he says, the greatest of these is what? Greatest of these is love. Why does he say that? He says, I could have um, all these spiritual gifts. I can speak in tongues more than all of you. I can prophesy more than all of you. But if I don't have love, I'm just a bunch of noise. Just a bunch of noise. And yet then we have a society that talks about love and, and talks about what love is and that confuses us because we don't really understand Christian love, followers of Jesus kind of love. Uh, a few, few uh, months ago, I talked about this a little bit and, and I, was, I was saying how it's really hard for us as men to kind of like say to another man, I love you. And, and uh, there's this one person in this church who just loves telling me every Sunday now he loves me. And uh, he's trying to help me grow in that area. So thank you so, so much, Tom. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but but that's, that's, that's true, right? How do we genuinely... But he says it because he knows that he genuinely cares for me. Like when we say that I, I love you. I was with a bunch of pastors this past week down in Manchester. But I, I want to give you some encouragement. Pastors are coming together like never before to come together, to pray together, and seek God's heart together. And so this one pastor as, yeah, it's amazing. And this one pastor, um, you know, as I was leaving, he goes, I love you, Mark. <laughs> I was like, what is this with these guys who want to tell me they love me? Um, but, but I think what God is doing is he's growing me. Right, I think when I share these messages is because he's also doing something in my life. He's growing me to know what it means to really genuinely love people. And, and we're going to talk about what that means. So, so number one, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What it means to be a Christian and to love the way that Jesus wants us to love? Number one, here it is, that you are interested in another person's life. If you could just take time and be interested in another person's life, that's the first step of really loving them because you care about them. 
You care about their story. You care about what's going on. You're, you're taking time, your time, to spend time to listen, to, to be slower around somebody, to really be interested, to ask the questions about their life. That's the first step of helping somebody feel love. Because guess what? Every person, whether they're a Christian or not a Christian, is made in the image of God. And so we value all people. We value all people because they're made in God's image. And so all people are, are worthy of our time and that we're interested in a person's life. You know, it's so easy to, um, to be interested in your own life, is it not? Um, you actually, the scripture tells us that in the end days, in Matthew chapter 24, I believe, he says in the end days, they, the love will grow cold. Basically, they're going to be lovers of themselves. Love will grow cold because they're lovers of themselves. And, and self-love is really just saying, hey, I care more and more about me than I care about you. In Jesus' ways, I care about you more than I care about me. And so learning to be interested in people's lives. You know, that, that's the, I love technology and I hate technology. And I think everybody can agree with me, right? The, there's something that has been so devastating. I call it the scroll, right? You just keep scrolling. And, and it becomes so much about what am I learning? What am I viewing? What am I like? And, and then you no longer take time to lift your head and say, who's around me? What are their needs? And how do I show interest in somebody's life? So number one, are you interested in another person's life? Number two, live a life of service. See a need, meet a need. Live a life of service. This is what Jesus modeled. Not only are we to be interested in somebody's life, but we're then to be aware of people's needs in their life, and we, if we see the need, let's meet the need. Now, it's simple things, like thinking about this at school. Kids, you're in your school, you're going into the bathroom, and somebody hasn't put garbage into the um, wastebasket in the bathroom. What do you do? Do you walk by or do you stop and pick it up? Even if nobody's watching, I think there's something about a heart of service in that situation, well, I'm not serving another person. Well, actually, you're beginning to train your heart to be aware of the needs around you. And, and this is where it's like see a need, meet a need. Now, you're not going to meet everybody's needs around you, but you have to listen to the still small voice and you have to be willing to, to look around your life, your coworkers, your neighborhood, your family members. See a need, meet a need. And here's the thing. Don't wait to be asked to meet that need. Why don't you just meet the need instead of waiting to be asked? Well, and this is why, too, I, I really appreciate, um, as we're getting fuller here, today's a little bit colder, so that I see a few empty seats, but people, what I love about this church is people have saw this is getting full, and they choose to go into the overflow to leave room for our guests who maybe are newer to the church. And that's what you guys have already been doing. And so I'm like, wow, you guys are living this out. And so maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but I wanna give some encouragement. Number one, that you're actually interested in somebody's life. Number two, you live a life of service. You see a need, you meet a need. This is what Jesus modeled when he washed the disciples' feet. And then number three, share your Jesus story to anyone who asks. Share your Jesus story to anyone who asks. 
my, I have a question for you. When's the last time somebody asked you for the reason that you, the hope you have? When's the last time somebody's asked you that? Man, you're very hopeful. Man, you seem, you seem to be an encouraging person. You seem to be attentive. You seem to be serving people. Like, what is it that, about you that is, when's the last time somebody's asked you that? And if nobody's asked you that in a while, then maybe we need to go revisit number one and number two. Are you interested in another person's life and are you living a life of service? But at some point in time, the scripture says that we need to be prepared to respond to the question of, of what is the hope that you have? And, and the response needs to be, because this is what people are asking, is like, how do I become a Christian? How do I, what does it mean to be a Christian? And, and so the response is, I guess what the question I asked at the very beginning, what do you say when somebody says, what hope do you have? I'll share with you what I shared with a guy um, yesterday who asked me if I would baptize his significant other. And I said, you know, I kind of backed away a little bit. I said, my job is just to, to point people to Jesus. I really, and, and the word of God, I believe, gives instruction of how to live in this kingdom of God. And that's where there's prosperity and that's where there's peace. And that's where there's, you know, just a contentment in life. When we do it God's design, God's way. But I said, life is hard. I know when Jesus found me, my life was pretty much a wreck. And doesn't mean my life is roses, but I know that I walk every day with Jesus, that he's there to guide me. And he's there to be a rock in my life. And so any chance that I can to point people to Jesus and connect him to his family, I'm all for that. That was my roundabout answer to saying I would baptize his significant other. Because I think people are, are questioning whether or not that, does it mean that we just have to live a moral life? Because if it's, if it's just like all the truth, like what do you believe? It's, that becomes legalism. If it's just about belief, just about truth. But the scripture says truth and love and, and that we are to be people of spirit and truth. Truth and love. That combination is the power because, because the Pharisees loved God, but they were so legalistic in their rules that it took all life away that Jesus ever intended for people. So that's why he says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And that's the truth in love. And the love is, I see you. You matter to Jesus. I care for you. I'm going to meet a need in your life. I'm going to share my story. But, but... I think there's always the balance. And if we just love people but never share the truth, then, then we call it sloppy agape. I don't know. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before. It's just like, it's just like you realize that, that Jesus disciplines those he loves. He corrects those he loves. And, and also in Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission, uh, Pastor Richie um, and his wife, Creslin and Audra and my... Otter, my wife and I, were at dinner um, last night together and we were talking about this. And he says, you know, sometimes we forget actually what the Great Commission is 
is all about. And he says, you know, we go into all the world preaching the, the gospel and that's good and right. And I better read it before I misquote it here. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And that's the, that's the third part of our um, reach the lost, care for the least, and train the found. That's where we get the train the found. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We say, hallelujah. We love that. Go baptize a bunch of people. But... We stop there, and then what we realize is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I think sometimes our society is love means everything goes. I will just love you, and you can do whatever you want. And, and there's a part of acceptance in that. Like, our job isn't to control people. Our job actually isn't even to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to love people, but then steer them to Jesus. And if we truly love them, then we're also gonna point them to the word and say, hey, this is what the word of God says. Let me help you. But by the way, you, you only go to the scripture and tell them what the word is when, you already, when they already know that you care for them and you love them. Because if you try to lead with scripture and you don't have the love and care, you're the sounding gong. It means nothing to them. If anything, it's just an irritant of like, there's the crazy Christian, get him away from me, right? <laughs> but if you're genuinely interested in somebody's life, if you take the time to see a need, meet a need in their life, and then they ask you the hope that you have in Jesus and you share the good news of Jesus and then you say, and by the way, would you like to know this Jesus? Then it leads to number four, teach people how to live in the kingdom of God. Teach people to how to live in the kingdom of God. Once they've given their life to Jesus, you just can't like say, oh, keep going living because guess what? God has a new order for them, a new way of living for them that's going to bring life to them. Closing, I was, uh, two weeks ago, I was um, in a building where there's some insulation being done in this building, and there were three workers there, and, and one worker asked me what I, would, what I did for work, and um, I told him I used to uh, have a, a construction management company, and, and I said, but, but what I do now is I, I pastor at a church, and so... I asked him a little bit what he's doing and what his life was. And then, and then he, and then he, I think he paused a little bit on that. And he goes like, so does that mean like you're a Christian? I said, yeah, that means I'm a Christian. And um, he goes, well, I'm a Christian. He goes, I read the King James Bible and I've logged so many hours of prayers. And I thought that was a very interesting response. I mean, but it, but it showed me that, that he was pursuing he was pursuing Jesus in some fashion. And so I just was like, I was fascinated that this, this you know, construction worker was, you know, had some point of interest and there was this, I just felt like God was stirring and, and moving in some way and I'd left the building and probably five minutes later I came back and he says, um, hey, I, I'm just really curious like my two friends here are curious, what, is it, what does it mean to be a Christian? 
I said, really, is this just an amazing setup or what? Let me tell you, all right? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, and so it was amazing in, in the way that I had one guy up in the rafters, another guy on a ladder, and another guy on the ground. And, and, and I just started telling him about a little bit of my life and a bit who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, and raising from the grave that we can't save ourselves, we need a savior. Literally in four minutes, it was, it was just sharing that my story and God's story and who Jesus is. And at the moment, I'm, I'm always trying to build connections. And so I say to the guy that he says he's a Christian too. I says, well, your friend right here is a Christian. So if you want to know more about that, have the conversation with him. And the moment I say that, I felt like this still small voice said, no, say, no, you need to ask them if they want to become a Christian, if they want to be a follower of Jesus. So I said, well, actually, he can tell you more information, but while I have you right here, let me ask you, do you guys want to give your life to Jesus today? And I look up in the rafters and I look up on the ladder and, and these are young kids and they're 20s tattooed up and, and they're boys. And, and they, they're like, yeah, yeah. I said, all right. So I say, let's just pray right now. Let's just pray right now. And it was the most, I like, I, we start this and I'm like, so repeat after me. It's just a simple prayer. And, and um, you know, sometimes you, you do that and you feel like, okay, what's the awkwardness of the room? Are they going to whisper? Are they really saying it? Like, did I, but these guys like are almost shouting it. Dear Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus. I ask you into my, I ask you into my life. I, I know I've wandered far from you. I know I've wandered far from you. I was like, oh my, I, I'm like, I'm, do I get my phone out now? Do I record this? This is amazing, <laughs> right? I, five minutes later, I run into the house. I said, Otter, you would never believe what just happened. Go back into the house one more time and I say, hey guys, can I have your phone numbers? I feel like I wanted to stay in touch with you. So it's been a week and a half now and every two days I, I, I group text the, the guys and just say, gives them some encouragement, how are you doing? I'm planning to get together with, for breakfast with them just to keep helping on their faith journey. And I know you're not clapping for me, but you're clapping because of the redemptive work of Jesus that is wanting to take place in our world. There's so many people who are lost, who are longing for somebody to pay attention to them, who are willing to meet a need in their life, who are willing to share their story, and then willing to teach them God's ways. I know you guys have it inside of you. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing right now in this world, in this church, in this, in this community, in this time. There are people who are longing for hope. And Jesus is the only hope. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.